today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Elcantar. If you have put your faith in Christ, your identity has fundamentally changed. You are not the summation of your past sins and transgressions. You're not headed toward wrath. Instead, because of Jesus, your sins have been wiped clean, you're made alive in the power of Jesus, and you're headed to an eternity of immeasurable grace. If the world is what happens when sinners get together, then the church is what happens when forgiven people get together. Open God, oh my soul, He is strong and He's strong to save. Open God, He's a rock in your hiding place. He's a mighty fortress. It's by grace alone that you're saved through faith in Jesus Christ. Pastor Ricky will be explaining how the life of a Christian should reflect grace and forgiveness because they've been forgiven so much. Now that you're saved from God's wrath, now what? You're not supposed to just live for yourself and anticipate going to heaven. In Ephesians, it says that you're predestined to good works. This means that God has left you here to be a living sacrifice and to glorify Him. Let's join Pastor Ricky in the book of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5 for our continuing study entitled, I Am Saved. The reason we're cross of grace is it was too long to put in. Uh, he lived a perfect life, died a brutal death, was buried, raised again, and now seated with heaven of grace. So we just say cross of grace, and that's shorthand. Now, physically, Jesus suffered and bled and gasped and suffocated on the cross, but that, Scripture reveals, was just a picture of the spiritual agony that he bore. The the scripture says that as Jesus Christ on the cross bled out physically, he was being poured out spiritually. That on the cross, this, this perfect sinless son of God cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was cut off from the presence of God. And God poured this wrath from verse 3 on him for us. So that if we believe in Christ, we were with him in his death. You understand? That, That as he bore the wrath of God, God looks at that if we believed in Christ and counts us as having suffered for our sins. That we with him died and were buried, and now, because of that, can be made alive in his resurrection. And so when, we, so when Jesus died, we died. When he was buried, we were buried. When he rose again, we were made alive, even when we were dead in our trespasses. And why, Paul knows you're wondering why. I don't, I'm still not getting it, Paul. We were dead. He made us alive through the death of his son. Why? He says, by grace, you have been saved. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. Uh, I got to restrain myself. Okay, we gotta, I'm going to hit that in a minute. Just pause there. We're going to hit that at the bottom. So he made us alive together with Christ and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So so we've been brought to life in Christ, and because Christ is seated and raised up in heaven, there is a spiritual sense, although one day it will be 
a reality for us. There is a spiritual sense in which we're seated with him now, and he's doing this for a reason. Here is the insane reason. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So he saves us by grace. He restarts dead hearts through the death and resurrection of his son so that, so he shows us grace so that in eternity he can show us immeasurable riches of grace. So grace doesn't like end on the cross. He saves us by grace so that, so that like a dad who's taking his kids to Disney World, he can smile and say, just wait, there's immeasurable grace where we're going. So this is who we are by grace. This is, our, this is a summary of who we are. Our past, although we were defined by our trespasses in sin, our past sins and trespasses have been wiped clean. Verse one, I mean, chapter one, verse seven says that through Jesus' blood, through him dying and suffering in our place on the cross, we have forgiveness of sins. Our present is that we're no longer subject to the power of the flesh, the world, and the devil, but we're now in Christ. We're, we've been raised up with him. And our future, our future is this, that once we were staring down the barrel of God's wrath, which we deserved rightly, now we look forward to grace after grace after grace after immeasurable grace in eternity. So what does this mean for our identity? Our new status in Christ is saved. Where, where once, according to our past, our, our, our identity was sinner, trespasser, Satan worshiper. Now our identity is saved, redeemed, forgiven. And this changes everything, everything about us. In that story I started earlier of the criminal who brutally killed that young woman, the story goes on to talk about how at the trial, the father was in the courtroom, the father of this young woman that had been killed, and the criminal that had brutally attacked and killed her was there. And the sentence was read. And at that moment, this father looked into that man's eyes, that criminal's eyes, and saw that he was absolutely undone. So the father did the unthinkable. The father wrote this criminal a letter, found out where he was in prison, wrote him a letter expressing whatever sympathy he could for him. And the man wrote him back. And so the, the father of this young girl wrote him again, and he wrote back, and eventually the, the, I believe this man was a Christian, and eventually his heart, something happened to a degree that he sent a letter to this criminal saying the unthinkable, saying, I forgive you. And the criminal's response was that he had been contemplating taking his own life because he was so wrecked by what he had done. Because he was no longer just a murderer. That was true. And he was bearing the, the consequences of that. But he was also forgiven. See, one writer 
says it this way. One Christian writer talks about it this way. The power of the gospel comes in two movements. It first says, I am more sinful and flawed than I ever dared believe. Verses one through three are devastating. You have to get that. Paul puts that in that order for a reason. It is devastating when we see ourselves as we really are. But the second movement that quickly follows is this. Because of Christ, I am more accepted and loved and forgiven than I ever dared hope. The, the gospel starts with the worst news we could ever hear so that it can quickly follow it with the best news that we could ever imagine. Church, we are saved. If you have put your faith in Christ, your identity has fundamentally changed. You are not the summation of your past sins and transgressions. You're not headed toward wrath. Instead, because of Jesus, your sins have been wiped clean. You're made alive in the power of Jesus and you're headed to an eternity of immeasurable grace. If the world is what happens when sinners get together, then the church is what happens when forgiven people get together. And that is to define who we are as individuals and as a church. And friend, if you don't know Christ, if by some chance you've stumbled into the meeting today or maybe you've been attending for years and yet you realize, look, I never saw verses one through three with honesty. I never saw myself as utterly in need of help and dead. And I've never seen Jesus as glorious and beautiful. I get it now. I get why you guys are singing. If God is doing something in your heart, friend, let me tell you that it's very possible that verse four is happening. God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loves you, even when you are dead in your trespasses, is making you alive together with Christ. And so here, here's what you need to do. I'm going to describe this in a minute further, but here's what you need to do. You don't need to do anything. You put your faith in Christ. And we would love for you to join us in the club of the worst people who, who we could imagine ourselves to be changed by the power of Jesus Christ. I got to keep going. Section three, what can't save us? These sections will go a bit faster now. Who we were apart from Christ, who we are because of grace. Now three, what can't save us? Paul actually, really, right at that point, pauses and says, okay, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. You see how emphatic he is there? about what doesn't save us. It is not your own doing. It is not a result of works and you're not gonna boast at the end of it. Paul says, there is one thing that will not cause your identity to change and that is what you do. See, our world is built around our accomplishments, our works, our achievements. We are obsessed by it. Our identity is, is wrapped up for some folks in being fit and getting our value and, and meaning and significance for who we are, of how fit we've gotten and how low our, our body mass index is and how much strength training we've done. Or maybe our identity is wrapped up in having a high position at your job. You're not one of those peons, you're a manager, and that's because you earned it. Or your identity is wrapped up in being parents. And so when your kids greet strangers politely, you're like, boom! I mean, no, you don't say that out loud but you quietly look at the other kid who's throwing a fit and smearing like Cheetos and stuff into his hair, and you look at your kid saying, it's nice to meet you, and you're like, boom, right? 
Because you're like, I, I built that, man. Like, that is me. And there's something in our heart that goes, yes, I did this. And who I am is the result of what I have done. But the gospel says no. No. The gospel says you're dead in your trespasses and sins. We are dead in our trespasses and sins. And really, what God thinks about you and your eternal destiny are the only things that mattered. And your works can't save you. You can't obey enough. You're dead and you killed yourself, and you're continuing to kill yourself apart from Jesus. And so what does this mean? It means that Christians are to be utterly unimpressed with themselves. None of us can boast. We are not, as Christians, good people telling other people how to be good like us. We're not a club of people that are kind of high achievers in the moral category. That, you know, we want you to come in and learn how to really be good and moral and good parents and, and good bosses like we are. Because we, you know, really, we get some standing here. God's worked salvation out in such a way so that no one may boast. And I love that our church has been this, and this is my hope for us, that we would be a church utterly impressed unimpressed with ourselves. But fourth, what can save us? For by grace, you have been saved through faith. Grace means God's completely unmerited favor on sinners. It means that we do not get what we deserve, which is God's wrath. It means that we get what we do not deserve, immeasurable grace, and it means that the reason for this is not that we're lovable or obedient or smart or good. It is that God in his mysterious providence has chosen to have favor on us. And so this is what grace is. We do not get what we deserve. We get what we don't deserve. And that's grace. For by grace, you have been saved. In light of who we are, in light of who God is, Grace is our only hope. We don't have like a backup plan, okay? Grace is everything for us. And this truth is gloriously devastating for people like me who think highly of their own achievements, who begin to find our identity and worth and value from what we do. And maybe even by doing a bit of comparison, like, yeah, that's cool. I, I definitely am dead, uh, but I'm definitely much better off than that person. We're like, okay, if you'll pardon a stupid illustration for a second, we're like zombies comparing how bad off we are. Like, look, man, did you see Larry? He doesn't even have both of his ears anymore. At least I've got one of my ears. Like, oh, yeah. So we're going to get together in the, the half-decomposed category and really talk about the losers in the 75% decomposition category because we've got some stuff to boast in. I still got a kneecap. Nobody around here has a kneecap anymore, right? Some of you guys are with me. Some people are completely lost. That is okay. The point is this. It's absolutely silly for Christians to compare with one another how much they did to, de get to deserve where they are in Christ. And the answer is, we didn't do anything, and yet we have everything, and that's grace. So, so grace requires us to, one, look at our desperate situation, and two, look at God's amazing grace, put those together. What you get is absolute worship. So the grace of God 
utterly devastates people who think highly of themselves, who want something to boast in. The gospel comes and says, you deserve in yourself, apart from Christ, nothing. And the grace of Christ utterly encourages people who are paralyzed by failure. People who get that they deserve nothing. People who struggle with past sins because the gospel says you deserve nothing. It's true, but you receive everything in Christ. And so this is what I want you to get. This is my burden for this message in the book of Ephesians. We cannot in this book think of our identity as something that we earn, think of who we are as something we're going to achieve Ephesians says who we are as Christians is something we must receive. We don't achieve our identity and value and worth. We receive it because of who we are in Christ. Christ does not save us because we are obedient. He doesn't save us because we're good parents or good bosses. He does it because of his grace. Now, the means of our salvation is faith. Faith is is simple trust in Christ. And so, lest we think, okay, well, well, I had some, listen, God did, it's true, 99.999% of this thing, but I still believed, I still walked down the aisle, I still made a decision. You know what faith is? Faith is nothing to boast in. Faith is Jesus has done it all. We look at him right in front of us, offering us salvation and say, okay, yeah, I'm gonna put my faith in this guy. We do nothing. Faith is the hand by which we receive salvation and, and even that is not an act of merit that God looks down and goes, oh, that's good. No, 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 we don't have anything. It's all in Christ. The, 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 the faith that we have, its strength depends in its object, not in its strength in our own heart. So what does this mean for us? It means that we as Christians are to be the most utterly humble and utterly joyful people in the world. It means we come together as Christians with nothing to prove, with no one-upsmanship, no self-righteousness, no illusions about how great we are, and yet we come together absolutely amazed that we've received grace after grace after grace in Christ. And so the church is to be a people who are utterly amazed that God would save them and utterly amazed at the glory of their salvation, getting together and rejoicing and worshiping. And, and and this is how this comes to us. So, so, we, so grace is what initiates the salvation and, it, and our salvation then comes through Christ, not through us. Just, just look at this with me. Verse, start with made us alive together with Christ and look at how many times Christ's and his work is highlighted. So God made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not of works, so that no one may boast. For we, just in case Paul thinks we may have forgotten, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. See, the center of our salvation is Jesus. The center of our salvation and the message we preach is not ourselves. We are not preaching our example to the world around us, to our unsaved family members and friends. We are preaching him 
because the only reason that we have this grace is that it comes to us through him. In him, we are with him. That is the only ground for boasting, and yet it is all the ground for boasting we need because we should be loud and proud about this, that we are nothing and Christ is everything so that, that we as a church carry on this legacy of being people who do two things, that we yell loud about Jesus and we yell loud not about ourselves but about him. So that, that's, that's what I'm begging our church to continue that we hold this as a legacy, as not something that we cast aside or, no, we're into social programs now, not so much into the simple gospel stuff. No, this is it. This is everything. And so what's our task? Verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So here's where Paul ends. He's, God has recreated us in Christ Jesus. Our identity is completely new. And yet our identity has implications that we've been reborn and remade and now we are to live in light of that new identity. So this, is, this grace is not an excuse for lukewarm relationships with God or attending church, you know, whenever you feel like it or getting involved with evangelism on a, on a you know, well, we'll see how it works out basis. When we understand who we are in Christ, it doesn't mean we sit around. It means we go to work. I'm going to read you one quote as we end, and I'll have the worship team come join me. Brian Chapel says this. There need be no aloof sitting on the sidelines waiting for God to work because of his sovereignty and our finitude. He's already told us that he has prepared us for good works making known his kindness to a world that must glorify him. This is not because God needs us to do these works, but because he has so ordained to use us for such a glorious purpose. We do not have to know all the answers to be able to proclaim him. And listen to this. This is what I want you to get. If we are able to speak like the man born blind who was healed by Jesus we will fulfill our calling. When asked to explain how Jesus had healed him, he could not. All he could say was, one thing I do know. I was blind, but now I see. Church, may we be a church that, that glories in saying, look, I don't know why I was saved. I don't know why God with love looked down on me and sent his son as a sacrifice for my sins, but I know this, I was dead and I've been made alive. I was, I was captured by the power of the world and following the prince of the power of the air and yet I'm with Christ now. I was headed for an eternity of wrath and now I'm headed for an eternity of grace. I don't know how it happened. I don't know why it happened, and yet I rejoice to tell you, friend, that it did happen. And let that, church, let that be our song as we end. Would you stand and let's sing. Hope in God, oh my soul, he is strong and he is strong to save. Hope in God, he's a rock in your hiding It's a question for the ages, and sadly, existentialism has crept into the body of Christ. 
So where can we find the answer to these sorts of questions? Thankfully, our identity in Christ is clear in the scriptures. Pastor Ricky will explore this topic as he teaches through the book of Ephesians. You've been listening to Better News Radio, the radio ministry of Pastor Ricky Elcantad of Cross of Grace Church in El Paso, Texas. CD copies of today's study are available when you email us at radio at betternewsradio.com. That's radio at betternewsradio.com. Today's message, as originally presented at Cross of Grace Church, can be downloaded from our website at betternewsradio.com. If you can't get to a computer to download or place an order, you can always call us at 915-562-7100. We'll be happy to help you. Again, our phone number here at the church is 915-562-7100. Perhaps today's message was exactly what you're looking for in a church. If you don't have a home church and you sense God is calling you to walk in obedience to Him by being a part of the body of believers, please join us for worship this coming Sunday at 10.30 a.m. Community groups of believers also meet throughout the week in many locations around the city for Bible study and fellowship and even prayer. For more information, including driving directions, log on to betternewsradio.com. We hope to see you soon. The music that you hear each day on Better News Radio was provided by Sovereign Grace Music. We invite you to visit their website, SovereignGraceMusic.org. Pastor Ricky will continue sharing messages from his series entitled, Who Am I? from the book of Ephesians. That's next time on Better News Radio. 